Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! It's the target, it's balanced the flick on. Gather round villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast created by underagaslitlamp.com. We've had a few weeks off, as you've probably noticed, for the World Cup, which is taking place currently, and we're at the semi-final stage. But we're back to discuss some of the emerging Villa issues as we start building up to the Premier League return on Boxing Day. I'm your host, and I'm delighted this week to be joined once again by Dan. Hello, Andy. Hello, listener. Um, Great to be back. Uh, I think, forgive us if we're a little bit ring rusty, this is going to be our behind-closed-doors pre-season friendly to get back up to pod match fitness, I think. (laughs) So if if we go off course, please bear with us, listener. It's because we've got some pre-season lethargy to work out of us. Yeah, this is kind of tantamount to our our bleep test that we we saw, but uh, thankfully there's no one filming it. So, um, <laughs> sadly, no no warm weather trip to Dubai. I think maybe next year we should uh, we should all of us go out to Dubai for a warm weather pod <laughs> pod PCs and just just there with microphones doing drills and kind of sweating in the lovely Dubai sun. Yeah, absolutely. But instead, we're shivering in Northern England. But you know, we can we can live in hope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. We'll we'll suggest it to Regan and see how far the budget stretches. Um, see what's see what's going. It's probably stretch to talk here if we're lucky <laughs> yeah but it's good to be back and uh, and um, hope everyone is well and enjoying the world cup and looking forward to to villa starting again and um i'll be off to villa park this thursday for the friendly against villa real which i'm i'm looking forward to to um to get into so um we'll, we'll discuss more of that later but i just wanted to kind of touch on the world cup and um, we're going to talk about our players that have been have been uh, starring in the World Cup over the last few weeks. But I just wanted to start by by talking about England. Um, if you'll indulge us, um, there's a you know obviously England England unfortunately lost in the quarterfinals to to France on Saturday night two um, one. Um, it was a I thought an excellent game of football. I thought um, I thought the uh, it, you know obviously England England gave a really good account of themselves on the night and were, were quite unfortunate. But generally, quite a good positive tournament. Um, five games, 13 goals scored, which is a, an awful lot for a team with the handbrake on, I'd suggest. Um, <laughs> four goals conceded. Um, and it follows a you know a semi-final in Russia and, and, and obviously a final in the Euros uh, last year. Um there's quite a lot of talk now, predictably about about Gareth Southgate and and whether he'll move move on. Um, but how did you how have you enjoyed or how did you assess England showing in Qatar? Um, and if you were advising Southgate, what what do you think you'd be um, you'd be 
telling him to do at this point? Well, I rather churlishly on the pod before the World Cup said that this should be Southgate's last tournament and that his time was up with England. And and I've just got to go back and, and kind of correct myself of how idiotic that statement was. I mean, it's been a another glorious World Cup for England where... Sure, we lost, and uh, but it was different to normal losses. This wasn't heroic defeat or kind of done over by a referee. This was two great teams going at it, evenly matched. At the end of the day, we just missed out to the world champions and probably going to be the world champions at the end of this tournament. So there's no shame in how we've gone out. We've entertained throughout the tournament. I think Southgate has evolved as a manager, which I think has been the most pleasing thing for me to see. It's the run to the Euros final. You mentioned handbrake earlier. It was very much handbrake on. feels like he's taken it off this tournament and and our players have, have followed suit. And as you say, we've scored a bunch of goals. We've played entertaining football. We continue to have one of the most likable teams in world football. I love watching them play. Saka is an absolute joy. And... If I was advising Gareth Southgate, I'd say do what you want to do. I think he's earned that right. He's, I mean, joined England's most successful manager now in terms of international tournament appearances and win rate. And I think he's earned the right to decide what to do. He he mentioned in the press the other day it's been a hard, hard few months for him. If he wants to step back, then fine. I think we'd be worse for it as a national team. But if he wants to stay on, then wonderful. He gets my support. But... The one thing I think we can say is this isn't the England we grew up with, you and I, Andy. Maybe maybe not listeners. This is not a, a golden generation of talent looking like they don't know what to do on the international stage. I thought like we looked one of the best teams at this tournament and and we, we just missed out. And, and there's no shame in that whatsoever. That's why international football is such a difficult beast. But um, yeah, Southgate, not that you listen to this podcast, or maybe he does, but if you're looking for advice, make the decision that's right for you and you'll be supported by the nation, I think. It's it's as simple as that. But but how about you, Andy? I know, um, I know you were a lot more optimistic maybe pre-World Cup than I was. Yeah, I was, I was kind of optimistic. I think the problem with any kind of knockout tournament is that there's the chance that you come up against a really good team a little bit earlier than you'd like at times and maybe in previous tournaments we've we've had maybe more favourable draws that have got us to, to the latter stages. Um, on this occasion we've unfortunately um, come up against France which you know that's that's tournament football and you have to be ready for that but it can it can dictate how it then looks on paper afterwards um yeah in terms of in terms of the general performance i've been really impressed with england i think you you have to you have to be very a very harsh critic to be to be anything other than impressed the game against the usa was probably the only blip really but they managed the game pretty well in the end um difficult kind of a difficult night really that was um for England but you know I've I've <laughs> I've watched tournaments where I've seen two or three far worse performances <laughs> than that and um you know I, I do think that I've I've always been a huge supporter of Southgate I think Jury was out obviously when he was appointed initially and on a temporary basis <laughs> taking over from I mean people have short memories I mean, he took over from Sa- from <laughs> Sam Allardyce um, who had only just taken over from Roy Hodgson after losing to Iceland in 2016 Euros in France. And, you know, 
every you know, the the team was on the floor. You know, Rooney was coming to the end. Harry Kane was taking corners. It was it was it was a it was a it was an absolute mess, wasn't it? And Southgate came in and he's he's applied a bit of um, common sense to the whole thing. He knows, obviously knows the the the, the FA and the workings of of um, of the national game, sort of inside out. Um, and he was able to apply that, but also he came in with a with a really acute knowledge of what it's like to be an England player at tournaments, you know, and someone who himself had a had a had a, 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 a serious kind of failure at a tournament as well, missing a penalty in in ninety six. So um, he was best placed to do it, and he's he he used all that, and he created a new culture and a new ethos around the whole the whole thing between not only the squad which was the first thing you had to do because we're, we're well aware of how um how divided that squad has been lots of stories have come out about how 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 cliquey and divided that squad has been over the years he's united the whole squad he's 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 formed a a bond between the squad and himself and the media which I mean, you ask Bobby Robson whether that would ever be possible, and he he'd just laugh in your face, probably. So, just that alone is enough to say this man has been an unqualified success um, as an England manager. But then, if you add the the performance, you know, it, the facts stack up. He is a final, a semi final, and a quarter final. He's up there with the best. You know, only you could only really say Alf Ramsey did better because he won one. Aside from winning that, he he wasn't he wasn't absolutely brilliant, um, you know. But he's up there, you know, probably the best overall. I'd say probably the best England manager of all time. So, you know, yeah, like you. But I'd still say to him, I think I think he needs to think about his legacy, and I think that's really important. Yeah. And what I don't want is a situation where, you know, things go a bit sour and he starts getting booed again and and. Um, he had a taste of that in the summer, and it was unpleasant. So I, I would, I, I would say he's got to think about that, and there's got to be some more challenges out there that he'd, he'd like to take on. It's interesting you mentioned Sam Allardyce because you almost forget the, the dark path we could have come down. And and I realised the other day Sam Allardyce is currently advertising Georgia as the clothing <laughs> is, is how the mighty have fallen. Um, but it, it, you're right in the Southgate. I think. Southgate's legacy is off the pitch and we've always described the England job as the biggest job in football but for Southgate it really was like as you say the relationship with the media was toxic relationship with the fans was toxic amongst the players was toxic and he's transformed it into a national team that we can be proud of a national team where we go out on a penalty miss and effigies of Harry Kane aren't being burnt in the streets which is probably what would happen 10 years ago where you can feel proud of your team where players like Jude Bellingham even if he's come from the wrong side of town can come into a tournament and flourish and players adopt a cat at the end of the tournament because it's been hanging around their hotel and they call it Dave like it's, it's a likeable bunch and it's such a long way from me growing up as a kid and watching Rooney mouth off to the 
the camera that it's nice to have your own fans booing you or Gerard and Lampard and Skull struggle to remember how to kick a ball or, or knock it around in the heat like it's the transformation is unreal and even if he'd never won a game at a tournament I think the impact he's had has been phenomenal and I, I massively underestimated that until watching this tournament and almost watching us lose is it's not just here we go again same old England it's almost a New England losing, like an England I don't, I, I still feel proud of in defeat, which is an odd feeling for most Englishmen as we're not used to being proud. And it, it's an incredibly strange feeling to have at the moment. Well, you know, we'll still have other moments in which we can wag our heads at the national team and, and wonder what the hell we're doing. But it's, it's been a great tournament to, to be an English fan. And almost, I, I was saying to you before we started recording, Andy, there's a part of me that's glad we haven't won because there'd have always been that asterisk over it. And it was a mid season in a dodgy place sports washing World Cup. So I'm glad we did the honourable thing and bowed out of the quarterfinal stage rather than, than lifting the trophy. Yeah, there is that, isn't there? And, you know, as disappointing as it was. I mean, that to be honest, at the, at the final whistle, it felt as... I felt as bad as I have since probably 1998 when we lost to Argentina because that was probably the last time where we went out where I felt like we deserved to win. You know, we definitely... Like with ten men, we deserved that, and we had the that goal, Sol Campbell goal, chalked off, and then lost on penalties. And I just think that was the worst I'd felt going out of a tournament until until this, really. But like you say, the kind of the upshot of it is that actually the reason you feel bad is because you know you want to see what what they could have done for the rest of the tournament, and you know I think the winners. Have come, will will have come from as much as um, we'll get on to to Argentina in a minute. But you know, as much as um, you know, we'd like perhaps like to see Messi and Martinez win it. I think I think it's France. I think, and it would have been England had England got through. So um, yeah, no disgrace whatsoever. And I, and I hope I hope there's a, a good outcome with Southgate. The other the other issue I think as as you know, I think Germany certainly started this and other teams have, have, have followed is that um you know international management is 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 just an entirely different discipline to club management and good club managers have failed miserably at international level um and i think southgate and yukim love and Deschamps to a certain de- certain degree of have, have have kind of um you know made the blueprint of how to be an an international manager and um, you know, I, I, you almost want Southgate to continue that good work and 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 see what he can now do with the likes of Bellingham, Saka, and and Foden. Well, it's, uh, you're right, and it, it's been good from a Southgate perspective. But outside of England, how's how's the tournament been for you? What's been your highlight of the World Cup so far? Well, <laughs> sort of um, sort of hinted at, at, at this uh, before we came on, but in all honesty. There's been, I mean, so many shocks and surprises in the World Cup. There's been some really good games. But I just think Croatia beating Brazil last week was just... And the reason for that is because I've got a real kind of soft spot for proper sort of digging in, industrial um, fighting football, if you like. And I think 
Croatia have epitomised that throughout this tournament. I think the last tournament they were a bit better. They were a bit, you know, more technically gifted and that sort of thing. Not that they aren't now, but they've really dug in and they had to really dig in against um, Brazil. And for, for Neymar to score that absolute world-class goal, which was a true moment, it's, it was like it's almost like um, the Gaza goal in 96, like a proper, yeah. a proper iconic moment in, in, the, in the history of Brazilian football. Um, and, then to, and then to equal you know to concede the equaliser and lose on penalties to Croatia, but I was just delighted. Because people I was talking to were saying this is, you know, it's really bad for the tournament, bad for the, bad for football. You want Brazil through, you want the stylish football, and I just thought, no, this is a this is a victory for 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 all the non-Man City and Liverpool fans who 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 have to watch this kind of football, grinding it out, going to, you know, going to games up and down the country, you know hoping for a bit of a scrappy kind of win, you know, and that, that you know, that, that's what it epitomised. It was like Brentford beating Man City. That was a, it was a win for everyone else, you know. And uh, yeah, that's my, that's my moment of the World Cup so far. What about yourself? I, I'm similar to you. I've really enjoyed, I hate to say I've enjoyed this World Cup, but it has been a great World Cup. And, and part of the joy has been, Football's become very homogenised, as you say, with your Man Cities and your Liverpools. It's it's become the Death Star knocking out the Rebel Alliance constantly. And this feels like the variety of football's come back. You've got Morocco in the semi-finals playing just last-ditch, beautiful defensive football with a bit of class going forwards. You have England playing their own brand. Canada going up people's throats, even though they have no right to go up people's throats. Brazil going out, Croatia digging in. Like There seems to be variety, not just on, on the pitch, but off it too. And I've really enjoyed watching every country bring their own unique flair to the game and, and reminding us that football is a game that can be played in a multitude of different ways and there's no one way of winning it. And I think that's where league football loses its way sometimes because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And and so you can just grind it out as Man City tend to do. But tournament football so much fun because it's anyone's and, and it's great to watch. And say the Canadian in me loved seeing Canada at the World Cup and, and scoring yeah. a first World Cup goal for for donkey's years but but there's just been moments I think probably my favourite moment so far is watching the Moroccan players dance on the pitch with their mums after winning I mean it's just such a lovely moment it's what the World Cup should be about as as Ronaldo cries on his way down the tunnel it's just you know it, it feels very much like a change in the guard this World Cup and it, it's just a shame all the backlog behind it which we went into before but it's a shame that it, it's somewhat undermined by that but I've still enjoyed it and I'll be glad when it's over too so we can get back onto Villa yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, there's been there's been some great moments and some great stories. I, I haven't mentioned Wales, who were my my second <laughs> team. Of. It's great. It was great to see them see them obviously at the World Cup, but unfortunately, I think it's just come eighteen months too late, maybe for for one or two of their bigger stars, and they just completely had no gas in the tank whatsoever. Once they'd uh, made that, yeah, quite impressive comeback against the US, I think. I think they they completely ran out of steam, and it was it was sad to see. But you know the fact that they were there just shows, and you know the that's the Gary Speed legacy. You know, um, you know that they they qualify for tournaments now. That that seems to be how how Wales are. So long may it continue, and hopefully they've got 
they've got some some good lads coming through. I think there's one or two in there, but possibly not a bail replacement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, great to see him scoring at a World Cup as well. Fully deserved for the career he's had. Um, just kind of puts the the icing on the cake for him, that doesn't it? So, um, but another player who we were probably delighted to see playing at a World Cup, and you know, it perhaps seemed like a long way off a few years ago when we signed him was was Matty Cash, the Polish Cafu, who um, who uh, I think started every game for Poland, um, played played all the games. Really, in a in a in a quite underwhelming um, team performance. Although they did, you know, make it through to the the round of sixteen, they were they were, um, you know, that was a, probably as much as they could have could have hoped for out of out of the tournament. Really, um, and Cash played his part in that kind of resolute defence um, that got them there. Um, I imagine this has just been a, a wonderful experience for Cash. Um, his his career has been a bit of a whirlwind over the last two or three years at Villa, and you know he's picked up a few big name shirts. I think he's got Messi and Mbappe. I think um, um, in his suitcase. So, um, what do you think? What do you think Cash has, has possibly gained? You know, from playing in this World Cup to to kind of come come back to Villa, and and could you think? Do you think his place is under threat with Emery? I think there's there might be a few, and we could talk about this later. But do you think he's got the the tools to to be a to to hold on to that right back slot at Villa? Yeah, I mean, talking about his World Cup, I think the biggest compliment I can give him is he didn't look out of place. I mean, this is a lad who's not far removed from, I think, working in a supermarket. I saw one of the uh, last World Cup he was working in a supermarket or something, and he's now. Fair enough, picking up shirts from Messi and Mbappe. Wouldn't all of us do that if we were we were playing against them? But I thought he defended well against both of both of them, and, and was one of Poland's best players in a not particularly impressive Polish outfit. So fair play to him, and, and it can only benefit his career. He's still young, playing at that level is only going to be good for him. He, he even found time to do a cheeky uh, Polish TV ad, which is well worth checking out, listener. <laughs> if you've not seen it, it's it's brilliant and it's well worth looking at. But I, I think he, he's played well. I think he played quite defensively disciplined, which will please Emery. I think you're right. Um, traditionally, Emery's systems, his right back has tucked inside a little and almost made up a third centre-back, which which certainly isn't Matty Cash's traditional game. We know he likes to get forwards. But I think Unai Emery is a smart enough man to, and enough of a footballing pragmatist to make the use of the tools available to him. So I've, I have no doubt he'll make use of Matty, Tash's, Matty, Tash's, Matty Cash's un, undoubted talents. However, I think the World Cup may harm Cash's prospects in the short term because... Callum Chambers would have been in Dubai. He'd have spent time on the uh, on the training ground with Unai, and I think he he will probably start on Boxing Day because of that. Um, but I don't think there's any way that Cash doesn't fit into Emery's plans. He's he's too good of an investment on Villa's part. He's a young right back with with a great future ahead of him, and and I I, I must admit I'm. De- I'm very impressed by his defensive attributes. He came to Villa Park as a flying fullback, and almost he's gone the other way. He's a very defensively sound fullback now, who occasionally gets forwards, and and I think he showed that at this World Cup too. Yeah, I mean it was it was just really sort of a proud thing, wasn't it, to see to see him there? Really, I think he's such a such an infectious character um, in the squad. 
they obviously the media team love him because they 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 wheel him out quite 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 often for interviews, and I think he's he's going to get a couple more of those um, once he's back at Bodymore Heath. <laughs> Because um, yeah, they they love him and 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 quite rightly he's 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 a really kind of um, important member of the of the squad and it's it's almost unthinkable to think you know would, would he you know would he be part of part of Emery's plans? Um, I know certainly there've been um, you know question marks and Craig has Craig has has uh, questioned his his delivery at times, which can be a bit wayward. Um, and whether that is something they have to kind of coach out of him in, to some degree, I think. I think Gerard had started that process a little bit, and it was it was more about getting cash cash into kind of the, you know down to the byline to to make the cutbacks rather than swinging balls in from from sort of the you know the edge of the box. So um, it'll be interesting. I think. I think there's there's possibly a few players you know who who. Where it might be a little bit of a surprise, but they might not be be, be so suited or so fancied by by Emery. So um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But it's just been tremendous to to see him, um, you know, playing playing for Poland. Quite quite strange, I suppose, as well. But but um, but just just fantastic, and the way he's he's embraced it as well. The language, like you say, getting involved um, on the media side and. Doing the advert and things like that—that's all part of the, the the whole process of being, of being part of that the, the national setup, part of the country and the fabric of the country. So, you know, he's really bought into that and thrown himself into it, and it's just it's just absolutely tremendous. And I'd love to know really how 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 Poland the Poland fans have or the, the Polish people have kind of taken to him I, th- I haven't heard anything negative at all I think they, they seem to quite like him so so that, that you know that's great yeah and I mean you you touch on a really good point there is that it would have been really easy for him to not play for Poland if you know what I mean like it's going to be a challenge to go into a country that that isn't necessarily the country of his birth like his his mum's from there but it's it's not like he speaks fluent Polish it's not like he grew up there you go into into a country and and a national setup quite late as well in the run-up to a World Cup he didn't have a huge amount to play in in qualifying and it's brave for a lad his age who's one season removed from the championship to to go into that setup with the likes of Lewandowski and uh, and you know to to feel like he's at home and and that's why I've got huge amount of respect for him because he's gone so far out of his comfort zone but he's embraced it with a smile on his face and and still is Matty Cash he's and it's funny it's delightful to see his name on the team sheet in a world cup and I, i've got a huge amount of respect for him for doing that cuz it would have been the easiest thing in the world to say no I've, it's too scary for me i'm not going to go do that i've got the risk of of tainting my club career or anything like that but he's just gone and he's embraced it and do you know what fair play to him he's as i say he's not looked out of place at all in this world cup and and i think it's he's also shown as you say, tactically is crossing, as Craig says, is is a threat to local bird life. But um, I think that if you remember the first season in the Premier League that he came up with us, he was steady Eddie. He didn't really go forwards much at all. He just defended. And I think that's probably where he'll fit in under Emery. And look, he's got proof that he can do that in the Premier League. So there's there's no reason we can't do it again. If anything, I think being asked to get forwards and cross is, is what cost him his form. I think go back to just defending and, and it's what he's good at. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think he's a very good defender, and I think he's uh, 
he's, he, he also absorbs information, I think. I think he just does what he's told to do. And um, he must be a coach's dream from that point of view. Um, so, yeah, fantastic, fantastic to see him. And another player, of course, um, who we'll get on to, someone who is very much in his comfort zone <laughs> at the moment, is uh, is Emi Martinez, of course, um, our goalkeeper and Argentina's number one, who are through to the uh, semi-finals of the World Cup after a penalty win. Penalty shootout win against the Netherlands. Um, incredible game of football. Um, two very different teams. Um, you know, incredible end to that game um, <laughs> from from the Netherlands. Really, really, uh, really interesting. But of course, Martinez came into his own, didn't he? In, in the in the penalty shootout and, and saved two. Um, the first two penalties and led the celebrations and the and the trash talk after after the game. Um, I think till then he probably had a relatively quiet tournament, letting a couple against Saudi Arabia and then had a couple of clean sheets. Made a really good save in the Australia game right at the death, um, which would again would have again sort of taken the the game to extra time. Really important save, um, but there, I mean. <laughs> With Martinez, you know there there are rumours that that Emery may be looking elsewhere for for a goalkeeper for a long term number one. Um, I think Morocco's keeper Bono has been linked as a potential target from Valencia, but I'm I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, but I mean, if Martinez goes on to win the World Cup, do you think his career aspirations might change, or do you think he'll remain sort of a huge part of Villa's progress going forward? I mean, it's been the most Emi Martinez performance at the World Cup you can imagine, hasn't it? Saving penalties, giving explosive post-match interviews. He's He's been the Emi Martinez we know and love. Um, I think even if he won the tournament, he'd be going back to Villa Park. He, he loves it there. There's There's been some good interviews with big cuts, actually, during the World Cup. And he's he's talked a lot about Emi and, and how, how he is as a person and how much he enjoys it at Villa. And... And I think what we've done, and it, it's been one of the real success stories in recent years, is we took an underappreciated player and have, have brought the best out of him and turned him into potentially a World Cup winning goalkeeper. He he wasn't that at Arsenal, ironically, under Unai Emery, which is why those, those rumours are swirling. Um, I think the issue that he potentially has in Emery's lineup is he's not great playing the ball out from the back and it's it's almost going to be a Joe Hart at Man City when uh, Guardiola first took over kind of situation you've got a great goalkeeper but he doesn't fit the way that he wants to play but I think as Emer as, uh, as as Martinez has shown us throughout his career he can adapt he can learn and I think he can learn to play it out from the back and um, I think it would cost a lot of money to replace his personality, his leadership qualities and his experience in this Villa side. And I think fans wouldn't be particularly on board for it either. And I think Emery's a smart enough man to know that it, it's no point changing a goalkeeper just for the sake of changing him. I think unless Martinez really can't play out from the back and makes an absolute hash of it for the rest of the season, I think he's going to be our number one for some time to come. And and if he does win the World Cup and another club comes in for him, there's going to be a pretty hefty price tag on him, I think, because good goalkeepers don't grow on trees and, and good goalkeepers who've got the personality to, to carry a team kind of definitely don't grow on trees. So, I mean, I'm delighted. I hope he makes it to the final. I hope he wins it because, you know, he's a Villa man and he's, he's one of the most enjoyable Villa players to watch. I love his personality. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's again good news for us as Villa fans. As well, the, the not quite so neutrals in us. It, it's got me back in Argentina. Yeah, I think that's right. He is actually the the. I, I think I'm right in saying he's the only sort of Villa player who's who's won a a major tournament already. When he won the the Copa America last year, he's he's. I think I think I'm right in saying that. So obviously he'd be the the first Villa player to win a World Cup. Um, which would be incredible, wouldn't it, really? Um, madness, yeah. You know, obviously Villa have been generally a, a very British-based team um, throughout history, really, and even, so, even sort of latterly, I suppose, we've been, we've been very much kind of that way, and it's only recently we've, we've started signing Argentinians and Brazilians and players from all over, all over the world, so... Um, yeah, it's a, it's 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 an interesting one, and I mean, it, it was it was incredible, really. He completely lost lost his mind, didn't he? Um, after the uh, after the penalty saves, he was dancing, he was shouting all kinds of expletives <laughs> at Louis Van Hull, which I'm sure Louis Louis enjoyed that. You know, he's he, he dishes it out himself, doesn't he? Um, so I'm sure I'm sure he liked that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just incredible and and really telling as well at the end when Martinez when the the winning penalty went in and Martinez was lying on the floor, the the shot of Messi, everyone else went running off to the the penalty taker, but Messi kind of went straight straight for Martinez, and it seems like they've got a a really good relationship in the Argentina squad, um, which I think again speaks volumes for 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 Martinez leadership and what he means to that team you know they obviously feel really really confident with him him there don't they and you know it's um it's it's great and he's not he probably isn't the best keeper at the world cup but i wouldn't have anyone else facing a penalty or a last minute free kick or anything like that you know it's he's he's the man he's the man i'd want and if emery is thinking about making a change i would urge him not to whilst we're giving advice to managers I would uh, I would urge him I would urge him to stick with him unless Martinez wants to particularly wants to go and, and make the next step in his career I'd be I'd be firmly um, keeping him as our number one yeah and, and uh, you know there's a lot of rumours but I don't really believe any of them it's for me it's it's kind of an easy shortcut to go Emery was the man who didn't play him at Arsenal Ergo, he's not going to play him at Villa. But as I say, he's a very different player now to the player we brought from Arsenal. People were laughing at us when we picked him up from Arsenal. And, and look at him now. He's he's a huge success story for the club. And and I think he's he's not quite lighting up the tournament, but he's becoming a, a worldwide recognisable figure. And those kind of penalty saves and, and, yeah, being best buds with Lionel Messi will really help you with that. And I think he can only get better with age. And, and I think he's... And that's why I'm almost uh, the the biggest travesty of this is big cuts leaving Villa. I know, you know, he uh, Emery comes in with his own goalkeeping coach who who's probably better qualified. But but you know, we've all had a soft spot for for Cutler, and and he's done wonders with the goalkeepers at Aston Villa, especially Emmy Martinez. So it it almost makes me sad that we've lost the potential to maybe turn another rough diamond in, into an Emmy Martinez again. I mean, not that Robert Olsen's going to be that or Robin Olsen's going to be that, but I, uh, you know, it, it, I think we, we possibly made a mistake by letting cuts go. Yeah, I think, I think maybe, maybe I think, 
like you say, it ha- there has to be. If you're going to bring in a manager like Emery, you have to you have to back him, don't you? You have to you have to you know it has to be all in, doesn't it? And um, I think Neil Cutler was maybe fortunate last time that Gerard didn't perhaps really have a, a goalkeeping coach, and he was quite happy with 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 Neil Cutler. But yeah, big loss, big loss to the club, um, no doubt about it. But I think I think. Um, yeah, you have to. There's no reason why you know the new goalkeeper can't be just as good, you know, and and uh, you know just as just as influential for for Martinez and and whoever else comes in. So, you know, well, given recent track record, give it about six months and he'll probably be QPR manager. So that seems to be the <laughs> career trajectory for ex-Villa coaches at the moment. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the the, the news that uh, Neil Critchley has been. Appointed Queens Park Rangers manager to <laughs> replace Mick Beale, um, who he replaced at Villa only a few <laughs> months ago. So um, yeah, very interesting line of thinking there from from QPR, and interesting that they didn't actually go for Gerrard. You know, maybe uh, maybe price range thing possibly, but you know. Or maybe. quality thing, maybe it's uh, maybe they've seen what we've been seeing for the last year, Andy. But anyway, those are those are dark days that are long behind us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was I was going to say actually, I was about to sound the the Dean Smith klaxon when you were talking about Southgate, when you were talking about the uh, you know the the, the 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 kind of lovely atmosphere within the in the squad. I thought you were going to start talking about Trezeguet and El Ghazi and, and and the like, but you didn't. Well, I, do, I don't want to remind you or the listener, Andy, but there, there was some hubris from me after Villa's 10th place finish that Dean Smith will one day be England manager, which I'm now starting to regret massively. Although you never know, maybe maybe he will he will one day be England manager and, and it wasn't it won't prove to be absolute idiocy on my part to say that, that he was an England manager in the waiting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd be very good at it, but I'd, he's probably got a bit to do, hasn't he? Um, in the, in bit, the next yeah. few years, but yeah, I'd, I, I mean, he's the right type of he's the right type of, of um, personality. I think the right type of coach and and, and man to to take that role on, um, but he probably needs a little bit more gravitas in the bank before he's, um, if that's a phrase, before. He's, no, no, uh, he's I considered. think you're right, and and done a similar job to Southgate. Villa, if you know what I mean, in the fact that whatever he's done on the pitch, it was off the pitch that he's had the biggest influence. So um, it's good. Thanks for squeezing in five minutes of Dino chat. I love that. <laughs> every podcast, I, I just need a little bit. We need D- Dino Corner, don't we? Every podcast, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, we're just going to discuss now. I think obviously the, the the squad are out or have been out in in Dubai um, for a couple of weeks for some warm weather training. Um, lucky them. Um, getting ready for the restart of the Premier League on the 26th of December, which will be the home match to Liverpool. Um, Emery's been obviously running the rule over the available players um, out there. Um, They've had two matches, which has included a a 2-2 draw with Brighton and a 1-0 win against Chelsea on Sunday um, to add to the defeat at at Cardiff City in the Peter Whittingham Memorial match. at the end of November, which was a, 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 by all accounts, a, you know, a great event and a really good cause um, for Peter Whittingham's uh, memorial. Um, after a, 
a kind of spectacular start to his reign at Villa. Emery will be using the time to further establish his ideas on the players as well as working out where he might need reinforcements and and who can be kind of useful in his system. There's been some some young players out out there getting their opportunity as well with Arjun Raiki and Caden Young probably getting the most significant um, game time um, in in the friendlies. With this unusual break in the season um, and Emery's attention to detail, do you expect to see some some differences in the team um, and the shape come Boxing Day? It's tough to tell. I mean, I think one thing that we can say with certainty is this has been wonderful for Unai Emery. The timing of it has been perfect. He's come in, got a couple of wins under his belt, and now gets to go and spend a lot of time on the training bridge. It's almost a a pre-season park day, you know, he's, they're out in the warm weather, they're spending time together and he gets to meticulously drill them. And that's what he does as a manager. He spends a lot of time with his players, coaching them on the minute parts of the game. So this kind of pre-season is going to be great for them. And I think you'll, you'll probably see this when you see it go to the Villarreal game is, is we're going to see a lot more of Emery's team because they'll have a lot, a lot more time with a coach. As for the shape, it's a tough one to tell. I mean, he the 4-4-2 that he's been playing, I'd expect him to keep with. But there's been talk that he's been tinkering with a, a kind of 4-5-1 as well, which he played at Villarreal as well. And it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him do that with Villa, given our absolute plethora of central midfielders at the club. So um, I, I think the thing we've got to be prepared as, as Villa fans is we've got an adaptable manager now who will change his team week by week, whether it's big changes or small changes to outmatch the opposition. And I think we've got to be ready for that as Villa fans. The the style of play now under Emery, there'll be a few signifiers like playing out from the back, playing quite narrow, but he's a man who'll who'll do what it takes to win a game. And that's what I think we should be prepared to see. I think we'll see our team switching from formation to formation mid-game before our eyes. I think... Game to game, we'll see switching of personnel based on who we're up against. And I think we're just going to be a very adaptable team, which you say in earlier on, you like watching kind of backs against the wall, kind of throwing bodies on line football. I think we'll see a bit of that from time to time. And then in other games, we'll see front foot football and possession. And as a Villa fan, that fills me with a lot of joy because I think I, I like watching our team win games. And I don't, I don't mind how we do it, but I like the idea that our style of play is going to be defeating the opposition almost I think we've got a manager who can do that and I'm delighted I'm really delighted the World Cup's come when it is because I think it gives him the best chance of success obviously Liverpool and Boxing Day is not a great fixture to to start off with but they've had a lot more players at the World Cup than we have so um, I, I think the one thing I would say is depending on how far Martinez goes I'd expect our World Cup players to not be in the starting lineup on Boxing Day I'd, I'd fully expect Callum Chambers to start right back and and depending on if Martinez makes the final or not it will depend if he lines up but um, but yeah I mean it's exciting times but as you say like you're off to Villarreal and, and you'll be able to tell us a, a little bit more after that friendly yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Going in the in the Trinity Road stand for a change. Um, change of scenery to... for you, Andy. If they they don't yeah. want you back in the hall, are you just going on holiday? <laughs> no, back 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 to my roots. I used to be a a Trinity Road foot stomper back when it was made of wood. <laughs> um, yeah, that was my first uh, when I had my first season ticket. So not down that end. I'm at, I'm at the Holt End end. 
Um, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to that a bit of a different perspective. And um, and yeah, I think it's just one of those, isn't it? I I, I always like my pre. Um, Christmas trip to Villa Park so I was really pleased when they uh, announced the friendly and you know I'll get to wear my Christmas jumper my Villa Christmas jumper (laughs) at the match Um, so uh, yeah but I mean I suppose it's been the World Cup's been a bit of a distraction hasn't it from from kind of thinking about Villa and, and thinking about how this might work and it's all very new isn't it this this all feels like a really kind of like a real line in the sand for Villa. The appointment, obviously, we've had a, a really great finish before the um, before in the league anyway before the the break, and um, it really it's really whetted the appetite. And now England are out the out the World Cup. There's this kind of feeling now of right, okay, let's let's see what let's see what's what's happening. And of course, you know. We'll talk about it in a minute, but the, you know, there's 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 the January transfer window coming on, coming soon after as well. So, you know, there's going to be some some real kind of interesting few weeks, I think, and and yeah, some interesting games. And I think actually the Liverpool game is a is a fantastic first game back because I think it, I think it will give us um, a real view of whether there's been any progress or 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 a different way of playing because this is the sort of game where Emery will will thrive. The, these are the games where we've struggled in the past. Dean Smith mm-hmm. kind of got to grips with it eventually, but beating teams that are that are better than us, um that's how you move up the league, that's how you get into the European places. That's how West Ham have done it, Leicester have done it. You know that they you know they're not that they, they they might not kind of always turn up or always master the, you know, the the accumulation of points, but when they really need a big win um, against a, a team that's better than them, they, they they do it and they set up really well, and that's what Villa need to be doing, um, and it's something we haven't done. So that's the um, that's the difference I'm really hoping for with with Emery. And when you say, you know, you're expecting him to have different plans for different games or different even different sections of the games that that just fills me with uh with optimism <laughs> i've been i've been nerding out over the world cup on unai emery i've been deep diving into a lot of nerdy tactical articles about his time at Villarreal and the way he plays football and and yeah the thing that comes across loud and clear is he's a man who who will do what it takes to win a game he's he's not trying to impose a certain style on his team's and he he will literally change during games for periods of the game, change formations. We saw it against Brighton at the end yeah. of that game when we had a back six or seven going on at one point. And but he'll do what it takes to get over the line, and that excites me. We've not had that as a Villa fan for a long time. We've we had it a little bit in that Dean Smith season when we were grinding out wins, but we've not had that that tactical innovation and that tactical mindset in a long time. I remember when we appointed Lambert, it was one of the things that that was talked about with him, that he was a modern coach who thought about things in a modern way. And and obviously that didn't turn out like that and he got a bit hamstrung in the transfer market. But I really feel the more I read about Emery, the more I feel like we've signed a gem of a coach. Um, and you even look back to his time at Arsenal and, and the job he did there, which wasn't an easy job coming after the Wenger years. And he did, you know, he... he 
he played good football there and got good results. So I'm incredibly excited. And I think we will see the difference on the pitch. I think in, and almost a World Cup being on and the distraction of it's been great for him as well because he's not been under a microscope. He's been able to play these friendlies in Dubai without the world watching and, and t- you know, tinker with a system, beating Chelsea today. Okay, it's just a, or yesterday, sorry. It's only a friendly, but it's a good result. And drawing against Brighton would have learned a lot from the two late goals we conceded. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing the impact he's had and that that Boxing Day game I'll be slipping away from the in-laws to to go watch it on a TV (laughs) in another room because I'm really looking forward to seeing it yeah absolutely I think I think it's like I say a really good a really good test to, to to jump in and it's one of those where if they do lose it's kind of expected isn't it but yeah it could be a you know a, a you know a really great a really great evening at, at Villa Park hopefully um so absolutely looking forward to that and then five days after that the transfer window opens and it's silly season again um and even more so probably this time because there'll be players from the world cup um you know that are in the shop window and and uh, maybe looking for moves. Um, already plenty of speculation about, about incomings at Villa, as as Emery, I think, will be looking to to target the European places if he can, if he can get some some good early results and start moving up the league. Um, Jao Felix <laughs> is... Uh, is I, I'm laughing because it seems ridiculous, um, <laughs> but he's obviously part of George Mendes' stable. Um and it's a it's a it's a wholly optimistic link, but it might be a, a bit of a signpost to to look at the the sort of player or the type of areas that that Emery's looking looking to strengthen. Um, but who who do you think are the, you know the current members of the squad who who are perhaps in a little bit of trouble, who perhaps need to really sort of you know show what they can do um, quite quickly, and who do you think might might thrive? In the in the new regime, yeah, I mean, obviously the Jao Felix links are delightful. If he comes to Villa Park, it would be wonderful. Who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But I think as fans, we need to be prepared for for the for the unexpected. I think if you look back over Emery's previous transfers and the kind of players he's taken to the next level, he takes bog standard players and makes them world beaters, which is something we can be very excited about because because we've got a fair few bog standard players at Villa Park who I think he might transform. Um, in terms of players I think are going to benefit, I have a sneaking suspicion that John McGinn is going to thrive. I've, I've been incredibly critical of John McGinn in, in Villa and I think he might be shunted out to the left wing and act as as a foil for, for Luca Dean. And, and I think he could absolutely thrive in that position. I also think Dougie Louise is going to really come into his own. I think he, uh, if, if it's one thing that, that Emery likes, it's a deep-lying playmaker. And he had, he had a great one at, at Villarreal. And I think that Dougie's got all of, all of the attributes to be that player for us. In terms of players, I think would be worried about the position. I think he's going to be shopping for a centre back. I, I, th- I know we did that with with Carlos, but I think he he really wants another centre back in there who can bring the ball out of defence. And and I'm not sure much as I love him that Mings or Comps are that player. Um, and I also think up top, I think we need. If if you look back when he played played at Villarreal, he liked to have one striker going in beyond, which you imagine would be Ollie Watkins, and one who dropped deep to link things up. And and I'm not sure Villa have that player who drops in deep to link it up. I mean, he's tried Buendia there, he's tried Bailey there, but 
But I think that might be a position where he looks to strengthen. I think he looked to, I don't know how to pronounce him, Mateus Cunha from, from Atletico Madrid, who a Brazilian player plays a bit like a false nine attacking midfielder, would be a great sign-in. But to be honest with you, as I say, I think expect the unexpected. I, I'm, I'm not sure who will buy, but I've got a lot of faith. I mean, if a man can turn Coquelin into a left-winger one fourth into a great right back. I mean, Dan Juma into a great striker. I mean, he can pull anything out of the hat. So I, I'm excited to see who he brings in. As you say, it feels like a line in the sand for Villa now. And I think a lot of those players that, that I know you and I both both love and, and would hate to see ushered out the squad, maybe it's their time to, to either step up or get out the club now. And, and I think we could be getting ready for an exciting period of transition at Villa where we're either after an entirely different calibre of players or or finally signing unearthed gems that we turn into great players. Because it feels like we've not done that for quite a while. Emmy Martinez aside, it's been a long time since we've since we've moulded a player out of not very much. Yeah, I think I think that's that's it, isn't it? Um you know we've we've said a lot on this podcast that we we'd like to be that club that that brings those players, you know, like like Bright, like Brighton and Brentford do. You know, why can't we do that? Why can't we find those players and bring them to Villa um, a bit more regularly, maybe? But we tend to we tend to be either after the, you know the players that that are kind of more obvious more obvious targets a lot of the time, and obviously you pay more for them. Um, Joe Felix would probably fall into that category. He'd certainly be a be the record signing if we if we did manage to pull that off. But I don't I don't see it happening. I think I heard David Ornstein on the Athletic talking about it, and he he had a little chuckle as well. He was almost like he didn't quite believe that that link was was there. But there's there's a link between the agent and the owner, and um, uh, things like that can happen when when you have that. But and ultimately, you know, Mendes decides where his players play, and if he thinks that 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 would be a good move for his player, then 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 it will probably happen. Um, we'll we'll wait and see. Um, it's interesting you say about the about the forwards. I, I, we've seen we've seen in the, in the two games we've seen two different strike partnerships, um, which is unusual in itself. Obviously, Watkins and Bailey were brilliant against Manchester United and likewise Buendia and Ings were brilliant against Brighton very very different um, approaches one's more about pace and power the other's you know perhaps more about movement and um, and, and like you say Buendia kind of dropping in and you know and, 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 and picking the ball up and trying to thread the ball and you know I wonder if um, if one uh, Philip Coutinho might fit into that into that role as well Potentially, if he's if he's up for it, he's certainly got the ability. Um, you know, it's just whether he's he's got the heart for it, I suppose. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Is whether he's up for it. From from what I can gather, Emery is is a demanding coach, but he also he thrives and the players under him thrive because he he talks about literally the position their body should be in when a ball's in a certain area of the pitch this is how detailed he is uh, I read an interview with Dan Juma and he, he says he'll come onto the training pitch and tell him the angle his body should be when he receives the ball which is 
phenomenal management and is how you turn average players into great players. But if you're like Sir Philip Coutinho, are you going to want Emery to come on and show you where your left leg should be, where your right leg should be, which position your torso should be in? I'm not sure he will. I think he's at a stage in his career and he's a maverick kind of talent where that would grate him the wrong way. And I, I, I can see, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I can see that relationship breaking down quite quickly. And I think not not in a negative way. I think both men might recognise that they're not a match for each other. I mean, maybe, maybe Coutinho loves it and, and we finally uncovered a full breadth of his talent. But he, he's always struck me as a player who thrives on on just being able to go out and play like he's playing on the streets again and, and playing in, with his mates. So I don't see him thriving in the same way. But who knows? I mean, it's it, this is a manager who's got the best out of players throughout his career, and, and maybe that's what he'll do with Coutinho. And, and I agree with you. He's, he can be a weapon for us, either in that kind of dropping off deep from the striker or, or as a left midfielder who becomes a, a centre midfielder. But... Um, I can't see it. But players, I, I do think you're right in that it's interesting a manager who used two different strike partnerships in his two games. I think we'll see that a lot more. It's going to be horses for courses under Emery and he'll pick the combination of players that suit the opposition. And I think the interesting thing I've seen from from what little I've seen of the friendlies in Dubai is is how much Ollie Watkins has been dropping off as a striker. We're used to Ollie Watkins being a man who runs in behind and scores the goals. From, from what I've seen in the footage he's been dropping off deep and letting players go beyond him which kind of suits him he's not your traditional target man but he can hold the ball up we know his problem's probably scoring goals not his hold up play so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more from that from Ollie Watkins and players like Bailey and McGinn even and, and maybe Doggy asked to go beyond him and Ramsey of course but um yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks for strikers at Villa Park because I think no matter how how many riches we've got in that position, I think the manager might want another another type of player in there too, just to, to round out our options. Yeah, I think I think ultimately, um, I wonder whether Watkins and Ings um, are, are are going to be still at Villa next season. I, th- I think I think they I think they they will they will be there. I don't I don't necessarily think we'll sign a new centre forward as such um, I think they will, they will do the job till the end of the season but I, I see a point where Emery and I think Gerard would have got to the same thing as well I think there would have been a point where they you know they, they actually what they need is someone who's going to be more reliable in front of goal every week and and um, you know uh, not to mention <laughs> any favourites, but obviously Tammy Abraham might be struggling at Roma by then, and as as um, as I think might might be the case, and he might want to put himself back in the um, in the England reckoning maybe um, as well. So he'd be my choice, but you know there's pl- there's 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 plenty of options, and I think, but I think it might it might come to the the point where that Watkins and Ings perhaps aren't aren't the answer in that in that I'd agree with you on Ings uh, I'm going to make a prediction and this is from a man who predicted Dean Smith England manager uh, I think that Unai Emery is going to turn Ollie Watkins into one of the best strikers in the division I, I just have a feeling that Ollie Watkins we know is all the natural talent he's got all the ability he just doesn't put it all together sometimes and I think Emery's going to be the man who who finally puts those attributes together and turns him into a striker. I, I think he's going to do a very similar role to the one Dan Juma did at, at Villarreal for Emery. And I just think he's going to really thrive un, under Emery. And I, 
who knows? It might be absolute farce and he turns out to be terrible under him and sold next window. But I just have a sneaking suspicion that he's going to really unlock his potential. And, um, and yeah, watch this space. I'm, I'm excited. He's probably the player. Him and Dougie are the two players I'm most excited to see under Emery. Well, I'll tell you, I prefer your prediction to my prediction. <laughs> if, if that's the case, if that's the case, then then that's even better, isn't it? Because you've already got a, a guy there who's, who's played for England and... And, and has shown that he can score goals at this level. If you can, if Emery can get a tune out of him on a more regular basis and, and make him a, I mean, he's always been an effective part of the team, but there's always just been something just not quite, not quite happening. And I think if he can do that, then even better, even better. So yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with your prediction, I think, on that one. <laughs> it's a much rosier prediction. But as you say, he's, he's a striker who's got all of the tools and, and on various days shows them individually. He just needs to put them all together at the same time. And and I think we've got the right manager to do that. Whether he'll do it or not, who knows? But I think Gerard might have given him a little bit of stick and, and he's got the carrot to get his career back on track under Emery but but who knows we'll probably be here in six months and I'll be laughing at this prediction like I did my Dean Smith for England one <laughs> yeah well I don't think anyone goes back and listens to them so I think we're, I think we're okay they better not because <laughs> that's probably not even my worst prediction so <laughs> but that, no that's that's great but talking of predictions I'm going to ask you one more who's going to win the World Cup <sighs> Head says France. I mean, they're the best team left in the tournament. Heart. Obviously, I want Argentina to win because of the Messi Martinez thing, but I'd love Morocco to win. I've, I've fallen for Morocco hook, line, and sinker, <laughs> and um, I'd absolutely love nothing more than them to, to do a Greece in 2004 and, and go all the way. But um, I think it's going to be France. How about you? Yeah, I want to say, I kind of want to say France because. Um, because they've beaten England, so if you lose to the loot to the to the eventual winners, it's it's kind of good. Um, what I said about Croatia, I just think that would be incredible for 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 the rest of us. Like I say, for the for the for the majority of of the football watching public, I think it would be a win for us um, if Croatia won it. And Luka Modric is just a, an absolute legend of the game, isn't he? There's no other. There's no other word for it. He's just he's just absolutely sublime. Um, I'd almost like to see him win it as much as Messi. Um, so, uh, oh God, I'm gonna. Of course, I want to see I want to see Villa have a World Cup winner in their team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Argentina. I'm gonna Good go man. for Argentina. I mean, it would be great to see. Let's be honest. It would be wonderful if Martinez comes back to Villa Park as a World Cup winning goalkeeper. I mean, we'd all love to see that be tremendous wouldn't it and uh yeah but um yeah we'll uh we'll see how how things pan out over the next couple of weeks and uh i guess we'll be back next week we might have a we might be able to review that final a little bit and obviously look ahead to the the game on boxing day um against liverpool but um thanks for joining me today dan it's been an absolute pleasure to get back it's on it's been great the to be back mate really nice to be back yeah absolutely and um and we'll 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 obviously get get back up and running properly now but thanks for bearing with us uh, for we were a bit a bit ring rusty like dan said and um but i think i think i think it's gone okay <laughs> yeah whisper it <laughs> quietly but i think we think we we've got away with this one we've got away with this one yeah <laughs> yeah hope you enjoyed it listener and thanks for joining us um and obviously check out um 
Under a gaslit lamp on the on the socials on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and head over to the the website as well under gaslitlamp.com. And of course, if you want to pick up your Manscaped products before Christmas, um, you can use our code, which is Gather, um, to get your twenty percent off and free shipping worldwide um, with the code Gather um, on Manscaped.com. Um, but great, thanks for joining us. Um, if you're going up to, to Villa Park Thursday, might see you there. Um, dress up uh, warm, because it's going to be a cold one. Um, and other than that, we'll be back next week, and I'll see you then. Um, so stay safe and up the villa.